that's really what it's all about, is feeling beloved, being beloved, knowing that you are both loved and loving. And that's the gift that the best of all mothers is able to give us. I'd heard this, I don't know, I might have seen it on a bumper sticker for all I know. It is either a quote from Rudyard Kipling or an old Jewish proverb. I heard it referred to as, or saw it referred to as both as I was researching, so I don't know where it came from. And I couldn't find out what the religious affiliation of Rudyard Kipling was, but he's buried at Westminster Abbey, so I don't think he's Jewish. So he might, have, he might have culturally appropriated this, for all we know. And this is not unity-approved language, of course, but this is the, the popular way of saying, mothers take care of us the way we expect God to take care of us. Well, we're setting aside today to honor mothers, not just us, it's kind of a national thing. <laughs> Because there was one mother who didn't think her mother got enough recognition or that mothers in general were honored as they should be. And she was a one-woman lobbying effort. And I forgot to look up her name. But I tell you what, her devotion to her mother is why we all are thinking about our moms today in a more focused way than we do just on a normal Sunday. The good news is, in spite of what Freud may have promulgated, mothers don't have to be perfect. Donald Winnicott, who followed in Freud's footsteps, he, he had the notable um, career titles of pediatrician and psychoanalyst. I'm not quite sure how that worked, but he gave us the concept of the good enough mother. Um, and that was mostly to help the white-knuckle moms, you know, the, I don't think I'm doing this well enough, which is not good for kids to have moms who are that tense about it. So Winnicott introduced the concept of the good enough mom. You don't have to be perfect, just good enough. My mom said if kids know you love them, they can forgive almost anything. So... Pour enough love in there, and, and you're, you really are good enough. But that sense of being loved is one of the greatest gifts that mothers give to us. And with 30-plus years as a minister and a therapist, I, um, I'd be remiss if I didn't acknowledge that some moms just don't make the grade. But you know, it occurred to me as Phyllis was singing that the moms who don't really didn't get good enough mothering themselves. They did not experience them themselves as beloved. And we really can't give our children what we don't have. We do... <clears throat> the children of those mothers a disservice if we don't acknowledge that 
Some moms actually do their children more harm than good. But there is good news even in that. This is my, I, I've done this with Bible passages. I figured I could do it with Rudyard Kipling. This is the Reverend Lynette version of his um, affirmation about mothers. <clears throat> he says God could not be everywhere, but that's not what we believe. So God is everywhere because all of creation embodies divinity. And we're all expressions of God. So you can use my words as your own. I am the loving, protecting, uplifting presence of the divine, caring for all who are vulnerable, some of whom are children, some of whom are little children, some of whom are grown-up children, but in need of those divine attributes that we, we all have, at least as potential within us. We all have the opportunity to bless children and others in need and each other with divine life, love, wisdom, and abundance. And when there is a biological mother who is not up to the task for whatever reason, it has impressed me over the years as people have shared their life stories with me to realize that there is always some kind of divine provision for those little children. And I've heard some fabulous stories through the years. A boy whose mother is plagued by addictions is taken in by a stable family member who is able to provide for that child what mother just cannot offer at this time. Or there's the abused girl who's removed from her household and championed by a deeply compassionate caseworker who really believed it in training when she was told, when a child comes into your care, it's as if you are that child's mother. This child may not be living in your home, but you are responsible for them and their well-being. And some caseworkers believe that and embody that for the children that they help. And they work very hard to reunite them with their families when that's possible. I know the story of a child whose mother only touched her to punish her. And somehow, her first grade teacher intuited this. And as the, that little girl who's now a grown woman tells it, every day when the teacher did story time after lunch and read to them, she held this little girl on her lap didn't think a thing about it, just invited the child into her lap one day and she sat on that teacher's lap every day after lunch for half an hour 
the whole school year. I don't know how that teacher knew what that little girl needed, but God provided. Grandparents have been there over and over and over as people have shared their stories. Sometimes to just provide a safe place to hide out. Sometimes they're able to take a child out of an unstable home and provide something that their own biological parents can't provide. And we even know stories of neighbors and friends' parents who've taken in kids who weren't able to get what they needed at home. Children need caring, compassionate adults in order to grow up, and especially if they're going to thrive. And life finds a way to provide that for little children. We had Sunday school teachers when I was a child and youth leaders, scout masters and whatever they call the women who run Girl Scout chapters. Never having been one, I don't know what they are. <laughs> we can mother men and women both anywhere we see that vulnerability that needs protection and nurture. In her 1979 book titled The Birth of the Living God, psychoanalyst Anna Maria Rizzuto presented research on how that how we picture God is a result of our childhood relationships with our parents and other caretakers. The first godlike beings that we can remember are those people who lifted us out of the crib. My mother was a pediatric nurse, and she remembers some of the little children who were born so tiny that they weren't able to go home yet. Keep in mind, this was in the 50s and 60s. So the nurses on her rotation were the parents in loco for these little tiny babies. And mom recently mentioned that one of the little ones didn't get touched enough, so she said, I just, I carried him around my, my whole shift. Um, and, and he had, she said, I don't know what they did with him during the day, because she was the night nurse, but she said, um, for those eight hours, he had plenty of contact and um, stimulation. So my mother was very generous with her mothering energies. <laughs> and for some people, who get those first impressions of what God must be like from their caregivers, these God representations remain with them throughout their life. Now, Rizzuto wrote that these images serve as transitional objects, like a security blanket, or if you know the story of the Velveteen Rabbit, it's that 
presence in a child's life that is real but not real, tangible but not quite in the way that the child understands. And that's, that's where God falls for little children. And that image of God as one who cares brings comfort and a sense of meaning and security to us individually in a very personal way. So when we remember our parents, and especially this morning our mothers, we're also remembering our very earliest glimmerings of what God must be. These understandings of the divine are not set in stone, and especially for those who are on an intentional spiritual path, they continue to evolve. As our spiritual understanding grows, so does our image of God. But nevertheless, when we think of our mothers, we realize that they were one of the first people who were the hands, the voice, and the heart of God in our experience. Our own biological or adoptive parents are not the only caring ones who have shaped our sense of the divine. Our lives have been touched by other mothers, if you will, women and men who have invested themselves in our lives in nurturing, supportive, and empowering ways. Those people have also been the hands, heart, and voice of God in our lives and have blessed us immeasurably. We all had mothers. That's a given. Whether you ever knew her or not, it takes a mother in order for a human to come into this plane of existence. And we celebrate mothers who go through that process. I have never given birth. And I'm kind of glad. <laughs> I, uh, I was there once with a woman who had an epidural and what, didn't know what was going on, but I understood the word labor after that because I, I got to help with the pushing. It's an amazing experience. And we just bless mothers who allow life to grow within them. There are some of us who never expected to be parents and others for whom that is all they ever really wanted. And the good news for all of us is that our mothering is not determined by whether or not we've given birth. That's good news, especially for the men in the crowd that we have that love and compassion and that ability to communicate to another person that they are beloved unconditionally. 
They are loved, they are lovable, and they can be loving. Think about the mothering opportunities that you have had. When a child or some other vulnerable person needed your love or support or encouragement, and you were able to give them what they needed. At that moment, you were God in expression in that person's life. That's pretty profound. And it calls us to be our best. Not perfect, just good enough. And as expressions of the divine, we help others to bring life and wholeness to those who need it most. So it's a, it's a wonderful cycle. As we receive, so we give. A video came into my inbox this week. It was a recording of Dr. Dr. Rachel Naomi Remen. She is an MD who identifies her role in life to reclaim the medical profession as a spiritual path of healing and wholeness and blessing. And this was, um, the video was titled Blessing Each Other. And I thought, oh, that might be good for Mother's Day. But, you know, I set it aside. I wasn't sure I had time. It was 30 minutes. I, gosh, I didn't know if I had 30 minutes to sit and watch it. But I really had a strong uh, inclination that as I was preparing this message, I needed to watch this video. And I'm so glad that I did because in this video, she remembered the power of her grandfather, who was a rabbi, and whose weekly blessings of her assured her that she was seen by God. She wants to pass that on. And she teaches courses that helps developing physicians to integrate their understanding of spirituality with their medical practice. And she shared a pledge that one student doctor had written. This is a pledge to his future patients. And I was tickled that as she was describing this, she said that the man who wrote this, she described him as burly. He's a big burly man. So I think she, she was trying to um, give us a context to really appreciate this. And this is the pledge he wrote that she shared that is to his future patients. He wrote, may you find in me the mother of the world. May my hands be a mother's hands, my heart be a mother's heart. May my response to your suffering be as a mother's response. May I sit with you in the dark as a mother sits in the dark with you. May you know through our relationship that there is something in this world that can be trusted.
Let that be our pledge. And I wanted to mention that that pledge will be posted on our Facebook group page if you would like to take a look at it later.